we are now officially recording. We are so. officially recording. <laughs> uh, cool. Because we had a whole uh, robust conversation outside of this recording, which we, we usually do anyways. I just realized, I don't think you've seen uh, my new planner. I don't think I have. So it says, emotions are a hell of a drug. <laughs> and it's a Cancerian planner. That, that is very you. I, I still remember that video and it was like it's it's two crabs and one is like June cancers and like it's just sad and sad music and then it's like July cancers and it's a crab with a knife and Moscow is aggressively playing behind it <laughs> and like the the caption is like I have feelings <laughs> it's like accurate like July July cancers are a whole other breed I saw this amazing thing. It says, when the devil can't find you, he'll send, and it was a whole list, but it was July Cancers and December Sagittarius. But see, I, I think I like, sent that to you. Would you. You said it to me. I, I sent that going, to you because we're both on the list. And I'm like, come on. And my daughter even says that now. She walks up to me and she goes, well, if the devil can't find me, they'll send you. And I'm like, first of all, you are 11, friends. Get off TikTok. It's mine now. But it's also like, this is what I hate about horoscopes because like a lot of people will talk to you about horoscopes. And it's like, well, they're not accurate. It's like confirmation bias. You know what? You're right. But also, like, literally nothing has been false. <laughs> this is true. If the devil cannot reach you, I will be there. That's just accurate. That's just 100% accurate. Um, speaking of the devil, uh, we're reading Death of a Salesman uh, to remind us that capitalism is bad. Oh, my God. And I can't even yell at you because I, I'm all like... Why are we? Why are you doing this to me? And the answer was because you picked the crucible. Yeah, and you're right. Yeah, but I refuse to. I refuse to take responsibility for this. Like most Sagittariuses. Yes. <laughs> I refuse to take responsibility for this situation that is entirely my fault. I'm currently drinking two fingers of cheap ass whiskey per your direction. I am currently drinking uh, a mock Irish coffee from last uh, episode. But I've used uh, spiced rum instead of whiskey because I don't feel like it. Also, I have to like do stuff eventually today. So <laughs> I can't just run around whiskey drunk. Yeah, that probably wouldn't go overall. I have to reorganize two of my bookshelves and I just can't imagine being whiskey drunk. And I mean, I thought that was the way we were supposed to redo our bookshelves. But that explains throw. a lot about my organization system. <laughs> We're just throwing books onto. Are there any cats? Uh, not in the room at this time. Nemo was stealing this chair, and then I sat on the floor, and then eventually he got up and walked out. And I'm like, "You okay. bastard!" That's fine. I forgive you. They may come in. They kind of wander in as they they wish. They do. They really do. Also, uh, we need to. We either need to get the cool cat accessory pack, which has the sunglasses and the boa. Or we need to get the blind box of, of fruit hats. So you need to pick one. I kind of feel like we need to go with fruit hats. Okay, so we'll although, get... Although we'll I'm get, pretty sure Nemo is clear, so... No, I will not defend my statement. I didn't say anything. Nor will I take questions at this time. <laughs> Mood. Mood. Keeping in mind, I also now refer to my cat as Baron Nemo all the time. Get him a little robe like Baron Zemo and see what happens. I think, I, okay, first of all, his name is Helmet. <laughs> first of all, his name is Helmet. 
Second of all. Okay, so there's a blind box one or there's specific fruits. The first one is a dragon fruit, which seems very dramatic for a cat. I feel like River would embrace the dragon fruit with her whole self. Yes, we'll go over fruits uh, for cats. But yeah, we're reading uh, Death of a Salesman because uh, this is what Tori gets for making me read The Crucible. Who's ready to be depressed? Uh, so I guess like why we're talking about this is uh, I think the pandemic has made us all think about capitalism in a different way. Very and much. I mean, I think we're already thinking about it, having realized that we were born into one, a simulation, and then to a lie that was fed to us by patriarchal white boomers. So fun story. I just yes. quit my job. Yes. For everybody who listens to our podcast. I, I am employed, though. I'm starting my new job on Tuesday. Mm-hmm. But the two things that finally came into the decision to leave my previous job were one, Madam Adam on TikTok, and two, this freaking play. Yeah. And maybe three, that meme of the guy putting on clown makeup of maybe if I work really hard every day and I take on extra projects and I do a ton of work and I help people and I stay late, they'll notice me and help and like think I'm doing great and talk about my job performance. This is a lie. You just get everyone else's jobs when they quit. Oh my God. I, I, I have sent that to so many people. It's not even funny. I have sent that meme to so many people. Um, so I don't know if there's really anything that, oh, uh, are, are we a trigger warning podcast? Um, for this particular case, we do want to point out that suicide does occur in this play. Yeah, I, I'm usually not a fan of trigger warnings. Uh, we've had this conversation, I believe, but uh, I'm feeling magnanimous or possibly drunk. I don't know. I was like, are you already there? I'm a little jealous. Okay. Yeah, so- I started sipping on this after my meeting, so. Also, just so you guys know, there is a character on The Simpsons, and I think his name is Willie as well, who's mm-hmm. kind of based on a combination of this and basically every businessman ever. Oh, it's Gil. Sorry. Come on. You want to help old Gil? Um, it's a combination of that. And then where's Always Be Closing from? Come on, brain. Gordon Gecko? Uh, Glenn Gary, Glenn Ross. There oh. you go. Okay. If you ever want to see like the creepiest sales pitch ever okay so also, anyway. if you want to see coke like peak cocaine cocaine okay if you want to see peak cocaine wolf of wall street and glenn gary glenn oh gosh oh uh, wolf of wall street do you just like pound on your chest okay so i'm i'm running from this text but i'm gonna i'm going into it finally i think you wrote more words than are in the play possible Willie Loman comes back from a business trip exhausted. He's actually canceled the trip. He didn't even reach his destination. His wife, Linda, is really worried because Willie seems to be having a rough time and has had a recent car accident. She tells him he should ask his boss to work at his home city so he doesn't have to keep traveling so far. Rather than focus on work, he starts to complain about their son, Biff, who is visiting. Um, Biff was a major high school football star who was supposed to go to this college thing, but he wasn't good at math, so he didn't get into college. 
Biff and his brother Happy, which is the worst name for a child ever, anyway, are both staying with Willie and Linda. Biff has come home from Texas where he's been working on a ranch and seemingly somewhat happy. While they spend time talking about their childhood and talking about having sex with women they shouldn't be having sex with, they end up getting into all these weird discussions and then they hear their dad losing it downstairs talking to himself. They get into the conversation about, you know, we can see him daydreaming, uh, but also he seems to be really mad at us, but not talking to us directly. So to get their dad to calm the F down, they both say, hey, we're going to make a business proposition tomorrow. And, you know, maybe we'll be getting into business just like you. Willie ends up going to ask his boss about working in his hometown rather than driving all over the East Coast. Biff goes to make the business proposition. Both fail miserably. During his conversation, Willie gets pissed off and ends up getting fired. Biff waits forever to see a former employer who doesn't actually remember him and turns him down. And so he steals a fountain pen. Same. Um, what's interesting about this too is Biff has a tendency to steal things. A little bit of klepto action. Mm -hmm. um, Willie goes to his neighbor Charlie's office and run into Charlie's son, Bernard, or Bernard, I guess. Bernard. Never has it has never been pronounced that way, ma'am. Only in England. That's where that came from. Ah. So I'm like, wait a minute. Uh, Bernard is a successful lawyer and ends up telling Willie that Biff was planning to go to summer school to take math, but evidently something happened with Biff and his dad in Boston when Biff visited his dad, and then that made him change his mind. Charlie gives Willie money to pay his life insurance premium. Ding, 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 ding. Things to pay attention to. Willie says a man is worth more dead than alive. Again, anyone who is depressed, I'm sure you're all picking up on these red flags. I mean, I'm not here to bash Arthur Miller, but anyone with eyes can start see. These aren't exactly subtle flags. Happy, Biff, and Willie go to dinner. Willie refuses to listen to bad news from Biff. Happy tries to get Biff to lie to their dad. Biff won't. Willie gets pissed off has a flashback to what happens in Boston, and it turns out that Willie was being a super sleazeball and having an affair with a receptionist on a sales trip. Biff encountered them by accident when he showed up to the hotel room. Biff confronted his dad, called him a liar and a fraud, and that's when he no longer thought of his father or his profession as a hero, and he went adrift in life. Biff ends up bailing on the restaurant. He's followed out by Happy and two girls that Happy has randomly picked up. Like that man, that man gets around, right? Good job, Happy. They leave Willie behind and he's super confused and upset. When they get home, Linda gives them a whole speech about how fucked up they are for abandoning their dad at a restaurant. She says that their dad's recent car accident was likely a suicide attempt. Willie stays outside talking to himself. Biff tries to reconcile with Willie, but it becomes another argument. He tells his dad that he's not meant for anything great and that they are both just ordinary guys meant to lead basic ordinary lives. While what Biff says makes it look like Willie might finally release his unrealistic delusions, we realize that Willie has translated that information in his head and heard that Biff has forgiven him and will follow in his footsteps. He hallucinates seeing his brother, who's been dead for a long time, and in his mind, his brother Ben tells him he should go ahead with a plan to kill himself so Biff can have the insurance policy money. Willie leaves the house. Biff and Linda freak out as the sound of Willie's car blares up and fades out. And the last scene is at Willie's funeral. Super depressing. 
and it's only his family. It's none of these people that he spent the entire time talking about, oh, I used to sell to so-and-so. Uh, Biff decides he doesn't want to be a businessman and Happy decides to follow in his dad's business footsteps. Linda talks about how they've just made their final house payment. Do you guys ever watch Arrested Development and like that one scene where they'd play the music from um, the Peanuts, the doo-doo-doo-doo-doo, yeah. and then like George Michael would just fall on the carpet face first? That's That's this entire play for me. I read this in high school. Why the <laughs> hell did they have high schoolers read this? We read The Crucibles, so I think it was I mean, yeah, like depressing those Arthur are... Miller play. Yeah. But... I read this in high school. I feel like they were trying to tell us something. And none of us got it. No, because uh, they kept going, you want to be valedictorian. You need to go to college. So it's depressing. <sighs> it's sad. Uh, it's a bit of a tough read for some people, me included. But um, I think it's one of my favorite Arthur Millers, though. Like, I think this one is a lot easier to stomach than, like, The Crucible. The Crucible feels like a punishment. This play is incredibly well-written, and when it's performed, it's incredibly well-performed. Mm -hmm. But every time I listen to it or watch it or participated in it in any way, my entire body is just like, hey... Can we have a two-day break from anything depressing? Let's yeah. just watch TikTok videos for 45 minutes. Yeah. Um, it's rough, but uh, let's let's do some theming and some symboling. And we're going to start actually uh, right off the bat as we're in this. Yes, there's a cat. I was going to say a quick cat break. He did show up again. Why does he look so malcontent? Because he's talking with us about death of a salesman. Okay, fair. We're going to put hats on you soon. I'm so excited to put a hat on you. We're conspiring. I, I do have to, I have a Batman costume for him as well yes. as a unicorn horn. Yes. And one of the pictures where I've laughed the hardest in my life was him wearing a unicorn horn. I have to find that. Mm -hmm. I keep promising our listeners pictures that I never go to find. <laughs> yeah. Um, I, it's like, he doesn't know, but we're conspiring to put hats on you. Uh, so we're going to talk about the death of the American dream, which is a, a great lie that has been taught to us by white uh, patriarchs yes so i can tell you from experience the pic i'm like picture it the year is 2003 god when did i graduate college high school i don't even know what day it is anymore so anyway 2003 i'm talking to my guidance counselor who's mm -hmm. like you're one of our valedictorians because my school didn't want anyone to feel bad so we had six valedictorians mm -hmm. like my friend what was going to Harvard had written papers on mathematics for like major journals had mm -hmm. no dings on her, her history whatsoever. I was like, just let her have it. Oh my mm -hmm. God. But anyway, that's neither here nor there. No, you can do anything. Also let's work on your resume. Okay, cool. So mm -hmm. fun story. I graduate from college in three years. I'm a badass. I think this is awesome. I immediately go out and get a job at a Fortune 500 company, right? Mm -hmm. This happens to be a subprime mortgage lender. What yep. year was it, friends? 2007. Guess who was unemployed within six months? Yep, that'll do it. I worked that'll at weird jobs, some of which I don't like talking about in public. Um, I was never a stripper, if that's what you're wondering. 
Um, <laughs> did a lot of things where I'm like, really, really, this is the job, this customer service nightmare hell. Okay. Um, I am just now going into a job where I make roughly what I made in 2007. It has been, I don't do math. That's probably why I haven't made a lot of money. Um, <laughs> it's been almost two decades. Yeah. Oh, I was going to tell you, um, I saw a meme that was, uh, oh, 40 years ago. You mean 1960? Like, no, 1980. Yeah, I, I am really enjoying hearing kids talk about the 90s the way that we talked about the 60s and sitting here being like, back when I was your age, like well, silver have, velvet was everything. So we have, so there's this thing called a nostalgia cycle. Uh, and there's usually like a five, a 10 and a 30. So we're on a 30 year nostalgia cycle for the nineties, which makes me nauseous. <laughs> which yeah. just Honestly, watching Captain Marvel, I was like, this was just like my playlist. I don't understand what's, Although I still, to this day, will argue until the day that I die that they should have done Rebel Girl instead of Just a Girl during the fight scene. Because Just a Girl is totally annoying. Anyway, I, moving I on. I like that song a lot, but that might be like the few years of age difference between us. Uh, so when we're talking about the American dream, what we mean is uh, this idea that you, American, can pull yourself up by your boot heels if you bury you know your nose to the grindstone and you work hard enough and you can achieve financial stability and then wealth if you work hard enough and the thing is that all these things are kept pretty uh, flexible because you have to keep the lie going because otherwise without that lie there is no america without that lie that has been perpetuated for hundreds of years there is no america mm -hmm. because spoiler alert that's not how it works at all nope you can't go from working at mcdonald's to being in a corner office that's just not how this works if it does it's because a series of people have died and you got remarkably lucky and we, uh, hmm? and we hear this story over and over and over again so and so started their business in their garage surprise nine times out of ten these people had loans from their parents. They right. had some sort of financial backing that they wouldn't have done it without. Or Amazon even just the financial stability. Or even just the financial stability to have a garage. Mm -hmm. Like <laughs> Financial stability to go to college and not leave with uh, $300,000 worth of loans. Right. Like, um, I know a lot of millennials will rail on this already, but like there's all these like great, and I use air quotes, articles about like, how I at 25 paid off my $500,000 in student loans. Well, I lived with my parents and they had a small property. So I was able to collect rent. Like, you're, no, that's not, no. That's, like, that's I, not you. That's the financial stability that your parents have set up. Now, would I, I have been able to afford to go to college without the fact that my grandmother set up savings for me when I was a baby? No. I wouldn't have been able to go without student loans, which means that I will continue to throw the smallest amount that Sally Mae will accept until I die. Here's here's a penny. Just, just keep throwing coins into that pit. The hard thing too about this as well is we have seen, and, and it's just because businesses that are involved with like construction and manufacturing and stuff like that 
are starving for people right now because for decades our schools have said you don't want to go do hard labor you can't make any money there you should go to college to make sure that those colleges make more money right so people are desperate right now for people who are, have the ability to do mechanical work and it's like really hard to find and so now people who have not gone to college but have done this training in these mechanical fields are making more than people with an English degree. Okay, well, it's an English degree. I Yeah, I know. Come on. Like, there's there's a whole song in Avenue of Q of what do you do with a BA in English. It's why and, I double majored. And it's why I heard I heard it my last year of college and I was like, eh. Like, that's honestly, I'm not even joking. That's literally why I double majored. It's like, I will not be this fucking puppet. I'm going to double major. So I have a BA in English and communications and communications is why I'm not living under a bridge. Um. You know, it's really weird. So I'm in this, this conference call on like my last week of, of my last job and they're going, Hey, you know, now that things are starting to open up in Texas, <clears throat> uh, <laughs> anyway, with me getting mad about that in the background, um, we're having to keep our restaurant open only five days a week, not seven days a week, because we can't find the staff to work here without a mask. Are you effing kidding me? First of all, you are way underpaying your servers. We know this because you can get away with it because of the tipping system in the United States. Mm -hmm. Two, you aren't offering them medical and health benefits because what you'll do is you'll keep their hours under 40 hours a week so you're not required to give it to them. Oh, I love that. My former best friend uh, worked at Olive Garden and he would get like the infamous 39.5. Mm -hmm. Oh, it happens all the time. My sister I know. used to work in food service. And then on top of all that, you want them to be around people who are going to be belligerent if you ask them mm -hmm. to wear a mask, people who are going to be rude, people who aren't going to be tipped, people that they you expect them to risk their lives for. This is why so many people who were in food service are now like, well, I mean, maybe I can just go do data entry or maybe I can do this instead or I'll just take a customer service job because I'm used to being yelled at, but now I can at least work over the phone. Well, like, and- I think that there's something that we that doesn't get brought up a lot in that conversation, which is um, the level of like social eugenics that mm -hmm. was a huge part of that narrative of, oh, well, you go to college so you don't become a, you know, grocery bagger or something. And, it, and you know what? I'll, I'll out myself. I bought into that myth a lot. I think we all did, but we also don't get that whole side of to be a good server. It is a skilled position. It right. is something that you have to have amazing people skills for. Mm -hmm. You have to be able to think on your feet like crazy. And mm -hmm. a lot of people don't have those skills. So it is right. so harsh and cruel to be like, oh, well, you know, at least I'm not working in fast food. Shit. Do you know how much In-N-Out Burger pays? They pay mm -hmm. more than my previous job was paying assistance. Mm-hmm. Sorry, sorry, sorry. I'm probably gonna have somebody from my old job listening to this well, and, and freaking not, out. That's why I never said just, where I worked. And not even just that, but like, again, it's, for me, it was always like that social Darwinism aspect of you don't want to end up here. You don't want to end up working at fast food restaurant. And like, accurate. I have a lot of health conditions that would make working in fast food difficult for me. I can't stand very long because I'm fat and have asthma and flat feet. Um, but also 
the fact that like you're right those require a lot of skills that we don't have i maintain that i think every american their first job should be in some kind of customer service role i 100 percent agree retail, whether it's retail whether it's restaurant whether it's you know fast food i think everyone's first job needs to be in some kind of retail environment because one you'll stop treating retail workers like shit I cannot tell you the amount of times that I've been like basic human nice to a retail worker and they treat me like I am a god it's like no I'm treating you like you like I like someone asked you how are you I'm like oh I'm good how are you and they're like genuinely surprised that I spoke back to them with kindness it's like watching a whole row of shelter dogs the, so the funny thing is, and I, I'm not nice to people because I expect something, and I know you're not that way either, but I think what's really funny is the, that? I don't know, the amount of times that I've been at a car counter at an airport and some mm-hmm. guy has been a massive dick in front of me, mm-hmm. like, can you hurry this up? And like being an asshole to them when they have to go through these step-by-step things so they don't get dinged. Mm-hmm. And I'm just like, whew, that guy was a mess. How are you? Are you, are you doing okay? And they just kind of look at me and I'm like, I did retail for five years, dude. Like, don't no, even that... worry about it. And just saying like, thank mm-hmm. you. Just saying thank you to people mm-hmm. is like a lost art. And I, I know there's probably people in other countries right now going, what the fuck is wrong with your country? Um, <laughs> entitled, entitled people that don't have anything better to do. I was, um, I was at Walgreens on Easter and like, it's already a holiday. It's early on a holiday. I need like a couple of things. I'm going to be really, really chill. And, you know, I'm going through the store and I have my little basket because, you know, they have the cool like little rolling baskets, which are awesome. I love them. I get up to the front. It's like, hey, do you have a special place to put these? You know, because I know like some places are sanitizing them. And the guy's like, no, they don't pay us enough to sanitize. And I'm like, okay, I get it. So like we're joking back and forth. And I said, I'm going to go ahead and put this basket back for you. And you know what? I'm going to take the one that's over here. And as I'm leaving, the guy who's cashing me out says, uh, I know the Lord has risen today because he sent her here. And I was like, I took out two baskets. That is not a miracle. I'm sorry that your day has been thus, that it was for you. Like, I don't even tell that story to like puff myself up because it's just sad. Uh, Unrelated, there is a sailor outfit for cats that has a little hat and a little collar and a bow tie. You know what I I think it would look perfect on Nemo. I love that we get really upset and so we are distracting ourselves with what can we dress my cat up in. There are sombreros. <laughs> Cinco de Mayo is coming. <laughs> Which just for, for y'all is not Mexican Independence Day. Please please stop saying that. No, it's also not Cinco de Drinco. And if you wear like a sarapa or anything like that and you're not of Hispanic origin, uh, I'm going to hit you with a broom like a piñata. Just let it, I'm just letting you know that's what's coming is I'm going to hit you with the broom. Uh, so I kind of want to wrap up on the American dream a little bit because I think it's important. We have to, because it really, when we think about the American dream now, it was around when this play was set. Mm-hmm. It's that like 40s to 60s aesthetic of you work really hard, you get your house, you have your 2.5 children, which I still don't know how you do that. That never made sense to me. How do you have half of a kid? Because I always imagined it just like being like a torso or something. <laughs> yeah, just imagine the family dog. 
even though no, I know it's I've, supposed to be numbers. I've always so. imagined it being like two whole children and like a torso, <laughs> which I guess says a lot about me. I have some questions and concerns to discuss. I feel like with you. I feel like that says a lot about me. Um, but it's really it's fashioned off of this, and I want and we cannot walk away from this conversation without mentioning one how racist this is. Yup. Two how sexist it is. Mm-hmm. And three that it's just wrong. Like it's. And I think again, as millennials continue to grow and as we continue to be broke um and we continue to have fights with our boomer relatives uh this becomes more and more obvious like uh right now like it's not like a real fight but uh my aunt is putting a lot of pressure on me to get a house and it's like with what one with what money two that's fundamentally not how i want to live because i don't want to be tied down anywhere and three uh no and i think (laughs) I think the house thing is different for everyone. You yeah. Know? You are moving up in your career. You're doing things in your life that, you know, you can go out and have adventures and go different places and stuff like that. And, you know, for some people that, that you house said that is like so everything. longingly. I'm so, I feel bad. Shh. We're going into traditional roles and values in a minute. Oh, yeah, um, yeah. <laughs> um, but I think, as a part of a part of the caveat of that death of an American dream, and this does go into our next point, mm-hmm. um, is that we had this whole co- idea. And I mean, I grew up obviously white evangelical Christian girl before we mm-hmm. became Lutherans. Mm-hmm. Um, and basically we were taught from a very, very young age that the best thing that you could do as a white evangelical Christian girl was to marry a white evangelical Christian boy and have white evangelical Christian children in your house in Orange County with your cars and your pets. And maybe occasionally you would help out the homeless, but really- with how many children? Oh, well, in in uh, Orange County, it was probably about two. Okay. Because you want your one boy and your one girl. Oh, yes, of course. Yeah. yeah. Um, and uh, don't be afraid if you step on the little guy because God will forgive you. And uh, whew, that feels like a lot. Anyway, um, think- Orange, Orange County is a weird place for those of y'all who- Okay. Like- uh, no, no, no. California is a weird place but orange county is so different from the rest i'm not of i'm not gonna let you just call out orange county because i've been to california oh it's it's a very different place yeah I, i've lived there for 30 years of my life I, as um, a texan i've been to california uh the whole state's just fucked it's beautiful i love the santa monica pier your whole state makes no sense to me so the weird thing is Orange County, everybody knows because of the TV show, which one was not filmed in Orange County at all. Uh, that was filmed up higher um, in Malibu, which they is lied. really nice. They lied. They lied oh, to no. us. Television producers lied to us. Um, Orange County has a very large racism problem, a huge <laughs> racism problem. I know you're all surprised. They have um, the highest deaths for children under the well, people under the age of 30 is from overdosing on over-the-counter medication usually that they steal drugs. from their family how does like this has um, to be drugs i used to volunteer very briefly with the aa meeting at one of my churches so obviously i'm not going to tell people's names or anything like that but there were so many people who 
had become addicted to painkillers that they borrowed from their parents. I mean, um, but also, okay, so again, fun insight to me. I completely forgot about the show The OC, and I was thinking Real Housewives of Orange County. Oh, that's a fun one too. Which I had is a, a friend show, who was a PA on that show. Which is a show I used to watch too much. Um, so, so he, yes. Keep in mind the best part about that is guess where all the assist, not the assistant, well, some of the assistants, mm-hmm. all of the housekeepers, everybody like that also lives in Orange County mm-hmm. in small apartments with mm-hmm. multiple people because mm-hmm. you can't afford to live in Orange County, which is why we're seeing this mass exodus of people from Southern California to Tennessee, to Texas, to the center of the nation, because it's like, you want to pay us what? to mm-hmm. do what and that mm-hmm. is the other reason why there is so much labor trafficking in orange county as well um yeah Stepping so I, it's okay but yeah i definitely didn't want to leave that topic without talking about the racism because again so like for me being african-american uh my only job was to not end up a statistic what insert whatever statistic here whether it was don't end up a teen mom, don't end up doing drugs, don't end up in jail, don't end up not finishing your degree, don't like that was I had two jobs. Stay alive and don't end up a statistic. Those are my two jobs as a high school student being African American. And from a I mean, I I've recently had to come to terms with the level of affluence my family had and that's not a flex that's just kind of like looking at my existence because I'm awful and I forget that my bouginess comes from an intense place of like privilege I don't forget often but every once in a while I'll forget and I'll be like oh right like that's not a thing that everyone got to do so uh, but yeah, like my two main objectives were do not become a statistic and don't get killed probably by the police, honestly, or a scorned lover because violence against women is a huge problem uh, in a lot of African-American relationships. We're just going to go ahead and say that. And uh, unarmed black people do still get killed a lot and they were still killed a lot in the 2000s just we didn't have cameras and social media to talk about it uh also have you been watching the uh trial i have been avoiding watching the trial as much as possible so i don't have a breakdown i also have been avoiding watching the trial mostly because and this is as hot takey political as i'm going to get i do not know why we need a trial for a murder everyone saw i i genuinely I I feel like I'm in a crazy world because this isn't like those old crime of passion cases that are, if you go into like Texas's archives are really interesting where it's just like man got shot and like the woman is holding like five guns and won't say anything. Like this is a murder everyone saw. There's a plethora of witnesses. We have so much. It feels like yeah, I, I feel like I'm taking crazy pills. Uh, the only snippet that I will say is there was a part where uh, one of, I think it was like a medical examiner was like, oh, and George Floyd uh, clearly couldn't breathe being pressed the way he was. And it's like, yes, also by evidence of all the times he said, I can't breathe. 
And I know you have asthma, so you know what it feels like when you can't breathe and your entire chest feels like it's on fire and you have pain radiating down your back and arms and legs and you are like, I'm going to die. And your vision gets blurry. Also, fun fact, uh, you get a little bit um, aggressive and irritated because uh, your brain is not getting enough oxygen. So the amygdala kicks in because that's like the lizard part that's just fighting to survive. So, yeah, like, if you've ever seen me, like, during, like, a true asthma attack, I can get a little punchy, a little, like, aggressive, because my brain is, like, hypoxic. It's shutting down. It's, like, I'm not getting enough air, and I'm basically on, like, lizard brain survival mode of, get me my shit! (laughs) Uh, So let's talk about traditional roles and values. Uh, They're a lie. Mm Mm-hmm. So something that I think is really interesting, if you get a chance, there's a show called Mrs. America that's got Kate Blanchett in it. She's she incredible. Beautiful. She's beautiful. She's wonderful. I'm pretty sure that she's like at least bisexual. So I kind of feel like maybe I have a chance. Anyway, she's she's Were she we and, not just she and Tilda Swinton. We have been talking about so many hot actors over the last couple of days. I'm starting to feel like I'm starting to feel like conversations need to be had. I feel bad because I just keep sending you things of uh, Daniel Brühl and Sebastian Stan and Anthony Mackie, like back to back to back. In all, okay, in all fairness, Sebastian Stan is gorgeous. Oh my God, he's so pretty. He's so Romanian. I don't know how he looks unattractive as Bucky. Okay, so the old Winter Soldier stuff- the old like yeah. greasy hair winter soldier yeah. stuff not my thing but that second that they gave him that that short side cut i'm like okay hi like i'm guessing it's be- i'm guessing it's you because he's very greasy it's <laughs> of the old winter soldier <laughs> okay uh i completely forgot that david Brule was in glorious bastards Oh, I love him i love also him he so voices much. lightning mcqueen yes which i love it makes me so happy in germany i he was don't born like in spain um, so he speaks Spanish and German beautifully. And yes. um, I have to not watch those videos when my husband is in the room. <laughs> because it sounds less like just a crush. Listen, I am simping for Daniel Brühl, not Baron Zemo, okay? <laughs> I mean. And then Sebastian Stan did, breaking into Romanian, it's just over. Also, did you watch Inglorious Bastards again? Because I haven't seen it. I've never seen it. I've seen like two clips of it at a goth club one night because they were doing their German movie night. Yeah, but okay, so I, I can't give you more context for this scene because you've never seen it. But there is a scene where the very, very Appalachian sounding uh, Brad Pitt is talking to a soldier named Wilhelm. And uh, like Brad Pitt's character is, I think like he's up on top of a staircase and Wilhelm is in like a basement, like bar or something. I can't give you any more context. So it's a huge spoiler, but uh, <laughs> Brad Pitt's character is talking to Wilhelm and at like some point of the conversation, he's like, I'm here, Willie. And like, that's whenever I hear the name Willie, that's what I think about. <laughs> because It's just such a perfect line read that should, that I think is like, the Tarantino thing like that's a, that should be such a throwaway fucking line I feel like we're gonna use that now every time we discuss this play I'm here Willie that's what I can hear though like I was honestly like I was trying not to giggle too much because like that's all I could hear just like I'm here Willie so I just realized something yes 
I was talking about Kate Blanchett in uh, Mrs. America, and then we yes. went off into hot guys. Yes. So what I was going to talk about there is that single moms have always existed. Single moms working their asses off have always existed. Yes. It has not always been the mother and father family, nuclear family with multiple kids. There are... Mm -hmm grandparents that step in there are aunts and mm -hmm. uncles that raise kids there are adopted families and there always have been and it isn't just brown people that do it because right. that's a lot of what mrs america was saying is like you don't want to be like the coloreds down the street with their extended families <sighs> okay that series is so good but it also it made me hate humanity a little bit. Oh, the entire time I watch it, I grind my teeth and I'm like, oh, these were real people. These were real people. Just remember that there are still people like that here who exist. Mm -hmm. Oh, uh, speaking of, so here's a moment of levity for you back to Inglorious Bastards a little bit. You know, like the basic plot, right? Yes. Okay. I saw that movie in theaters, which tells you how old I am. And I remember leaving the theater and there was uh, someone in front of me saying, wow, I can't believe that's how World War II ended. <laughs> Have these people ever seen a Tarantino movie? <laughs> and I, and I, I didn't know how to process that. I didn't know on what level of wrong I needed to address that statement. Like, I mean, I was fine with it. Like if that's how you imagine World War II ended, yeah but See, here, here's the problem i think if we could we are those yes. pedantic assholes that would have just a pop-up powerpoint presentation for people when they're so wrong that it hurts yeah if it was a possibility just be yeah. like oh absolutely. oh hang on a second like at this point in time in my life i just want to send videos from john or hank green nine times out of ten to people and go just in case you wanted to know how wrong you were Oh yeah, same. Like I, I kind of want to do like the John Green thing with a what was the cause of the Civil War dot com. Oh, I love it so much. If you haven't been, go to that website. Do we need? Do we? Okay, so so context. Uh, there's this thing in the South called the Lost Cause myth, where basically, uh, it's a lot of, it's a lot, it's a it's a warm blanket for Southern racists. Is what the Lost Cause myth is. Because it basically states that the Civil War was about states' rights. That's where we get the states' rights thing. Uh, and it's called the Lost Cause. It was actually like written like right after the Civil War happened because there were a lot of Southerners who were trying to reintegrate into the Union and the Northerners were not having it. Because <laughs> rightfully so. They did just try to secede. And if you look historically at all of the constitutions for the South back then, uh, the president of the Confederacy, his statements, all of them say, we are doing this because of slavery. No one is any way ambiguous about why they are seceding and thus there is a civil war. Everyone says it is about racism and slavery. And then you get the lost cause myth. That's like, no, secretly about states' rights. So when John Green did um crash course for history, one of the big things that always came up when talking about slavery in the Civil War was that, of course, it was about states' rights and, ex and economics because lost cause, which was perpetuated by the daughters of the Confederacy who fucked up San Antonio. I didn't say that. 
and backing away, but with caution. Um, uh, so John Green has a website now that is uh, what what caused the civil war.com. And if you click on it, it's just a giant splash page that says slavery. There is an incredible book that just came out called The Zealot mm-hmm. and the Emancipator. And if you were part of, were part of the Texas Book Festival this weekend for for San Antonio, San Antonio Book Festival, um, that was actually one of the books that was um, one of their, their titles. Mm-hmm. It's incredible because it's all about, I think I've talked about it on this podcast before. It's all about John Brown and Abraham Lincoln and mm-hmm. like Amanda's discussing the, you know, this lost cause fallacy of um let's talk about specifically all the reason that people were fighting over kansas and whether kansas was going to be a slave state or not Mm -hmm. because so many people were like no it's going to be a slave state and you had fights in between people who were living there going no we don't want this it's a whole technically everything is missouri's fault yes if we didn't have missouri everything would have been fine is this why um Abe Simpson is always like, I'll be dead in the cold, cold ground before I ever move to Missouri. Yeah, actually, it's the Missouri Compromise that fucked everything up. Oh, the is that the one about um, human beings being three-fifths of a person? No, uh, the Missouri Compromise was uh, anything under here line oh, is a that's free right. state. And that's how you get Kansas fucked up. Uh, so technically, everything would have been okay if not for Missouri. Fuck you, Missouri. Uh, tonight, Missouri's Tori's like, watching Inglorious Bastards. I'm I gonna want to. Be like, um, but, is it on so, Hulu? Uh, is it? I don't know. It's not on Netflix. I looked on Netflix. and it, Is it on Netflix? Pro- no. Django Unchained is. Yes, which is how I've seen it because... You were like, hey, you need to watch Django Unchained. And I was like, I will watch it for your birthday. And I did. So bad news. It is not on Hulu. But they have Once Upon a Time in Hollywood if you get the stars uh, thing. Ah. It's probably on Amazon Prime. Anyways, uh, so traditional uh, roles and values. Again, around the time that this play is set, we're really starting to cement what those are where women wear little cute aprons and stay home and produce children and don't have opinions. <laughs> Think the first episode of WandaVision. Think the old Sugarman place in Bojack Horseman. Oh. Which is a show that I've rewatched recently and it made me sad. Huh. I wonder why. <laughs> right. You're like, huh. Wonder. It's such a, there's, <sighs> It's such a masterpiece. I really love Bojack Horseman, uh, but it's just, oh my God, it's so sad. Speaking of, I know this is another tangent and we're bad about that, but uh, I was watching a video essay and you've watched all of Bojack, right? Yeah. Wait, wait okay. no, I've watched almost all of it. What but season I already, did you start? I already, knows how, I already know how it ends because okay. uh, I talked so, to a lot of people. <laughs> okay. Spoilers, I guess, for a show that either you've watched or you haven't. Oh, <laughs> But, uh, you know, Sarah Lynn died. Mm-hmm. And um, in the last season, it's revealed that Bojack waited like 17 minutes before he called for help in the parking lot when Sarah Lynn died at the planetarium. And it's like, oh, shit. Like, it, it, it basically, like, it's one of the many things that fucks over Bojack's character in the last season because the last season's just, how do we make him worse somehow? <laughs> somehow, how do we make him worse? 
Um, and there was this video essayist about it and he was like really harping on that Sarah Lynn shit. And I'm like, okay, that was bad. But like, you sound like Bojack owes you money right now, essayist. I mean, like what the fuck? And you get to the end of the essay and he's like, I'm really stuck on how long that was and what could have happened in that time. Um, and if you need a reminder of how long 17 minutes is, look at the timestamp of this video. And the video ends at 1659 oh and i'm like fuck you <laughs> it's like fuck you but this is brilliant and he's right that's a very long time like <laughs> the possibilities are endless of what could have happened but it was like you bitch but um yeah like so we're starting to cement values and roles back then where you know men are the breadwinners and they go out and they work um but traditional work because you know you're not a man if you do women's work like you couldn't be a nurse or something like that um and women definitely can't work because they're too emotional women can't be doctors but they sure as hell can be nurses and uh yeah it's we won't uh, go into it we won't go very, into it just because i get mad oh but women exhausting. can cook at home but they can't be chefs yes uh it's exhausting for us now. And this um, is 2021. Yeah. But and this also, still I was about to say, like, but also how much of it is still in place. I think that's why, for, and, and Tori's heard me complain about this more openly, especially being a Southern woman, how little in some places has changed. That, you know, when I was in high school, I was still hearing from family, well, why aren't you married yet? like because i'm 17 (laughs) because i'm 17 that's not legal well no romeo and juliet clause so uh these traditional roles and values are literally the thing that kills willie like he shouldn't have to work at the phase of life that he's in but he has to because one traditional masculine traditional heteronormative masculinity demands that he does and also the societal and fiscal pressures of maintaining a household because there wasn't really a plan b if that doesn't work like downsizing wasn't a thing it's interesting too because we hear linda talk multiple times to him and he'll be like i made this much money and she's like okay but we need this and this and this. And you could tell how capable and how smart she was and how she took what she could and made that stretch as long as possible. How Mm -hmm. she was able to negotiate who got paid, who was delayed Mm -hmm. and, you know, how she could do that with kindness and being a woman and offering other things, not sexually, obviously, but like offering her certain behaviors and stuff. And then Willie would be like, don't pay that guy. He's a sleazeball. And she's like, well, you gotta pay him right because he did the work like no very much so and you and i think that's the frustrating thing about traditional values is and roles is that if anything and again like this is something that really hasn't changed is um women do so much emotional labor and unseen labor that uh there was an article a while ago that proposed that like women work less hours in a full-time job because they make that up at home doing shit to this day and yeah like you don't think about the emotional labor especially if you're in a relationship uh that you do 
or the unseen labor that you are expected to do the dishes because you're a woman or you're expected to make dinner because you're a woman. And even if it's never explicitly said, it is implicitly felt because it just won't get fucking done says the angry Southern black woman. Um, it is implicitly felt because uh, if you don't make dinner, no one will. And your husband will sit there and he will stare at you until you make dinner. What's fascinating to me is even things where sometimes one spouse or one partner will volunteer to help, but then ask for your support the entire way through. Yeah, I've had that uh, with partners where they say they're going to help, but they need so much assistance with it that I might as well have just done it. Um, and a lot of things always get lampooned, like when women talk about emotional labor, like the pink tax or really anything. When women say anything, it always gets a little bit lampooned, like it's not real. And it's like, but it's, it, it is, and it's hard and it sucks. And it's, ah, but like, yeah, how much work that Linda has to put in on top of the work that her husband's doing. And you see like traditional roles and stuff really suffocate the two of them. I think what's interesting too, and this is something that a lot of people who from other countries saw when we saw the whole Marie Kondo show where she came down and cleaned people's houses and all that stuff, how many women were doing so many things and were just completely and totally exhausted and she would look at the spouse and go well why didn't you help her and they'd be like well that's her job also what we learned with Marie Kondo is again like the privilege of being able to get rid of things mm -hmm. also bitch leave me alone I don't care if I've never read this book I'm keeping it I don't care if I have five velvet dresses in varying colors it sparks joy leave me alone also, the United States, we have a junk collecting thing that we do. I don't know what it is, if we're just fascinated by basic history and stuff. Other countries, it's like, okay, well, this building is 800 years old, so we're okay with that. Mm -hmm. We're like, this building is 50 years old. Well, we're also, like, relatively young as a country. Like, I think Americans really forget that, that we're, we are a child in comparison to everyone else i mean like, maybe not the republic of yemen or whatever it is called now but yeah I mean, or the czech republic and slovakia because i still remember yeah. when those were established well okay but like they there were things there i know i'm just messing that, around. okay i'm like like okay but like there were things there and then they changed names and like did some border stuff but like we are very very young um that's something that uh when i was dating someone from denmark i was constantly reminded of like, I was constantly told, like, your country is a baby. Like, yes, I know. It's like, oh, this castle is 5,000 years old. Like, why? Well, we do also have a lot of structures here that were formed by Native Americans that have been here much longer than no, certain we areas. Don't. We, we bulldozed a bunch of those. We do, we do not have a lot of anything. Okay, we have some that are buried under car parks. Yeah, that's it. Like, ma'am, do not lie. We do not have a lot. We have, we have a few that survived. Uh, most of most of them are Bigfoot pictographs. Um, I'm just sitting here shaking my head at you. Oh, speaking of cryptids, because yes. evidently I need to tangent before we go into capitalism. Um, yeah. The city of Point Pleasant has the asked thick that, 
They have asked that people stop putting beans around the thick Mockman statue. No. They've said, please stop putting cans around, donate directly to the homeless shelter, and just say you're donating in the name of the Mothman. Please stop putting these cans around the Mothman Sorry, can statue. we please donate to the homeless shelter in the name of Mothman? Absolutely, we can. Okay. So fun fact, Tori and I are always trying to figure out what we're going to do with our big podcasting money. <laughs> sorry, sorry. You said that like you were serious. <laughs> Tori and I are always trying to figure out what to do with our with our bags of podcast money. <laughs> our Donald Duck vault, or I'm sorry, our Scrooge, Scrooge McDuck McDuck. vault of uh, podcast coins. <laughs> I'm out of whiskey. I can't even go farther on this. <laughs> so the idea of donating to charities and like that's always like I think did we did we get our brick? I'm pretty sure we got our brick for the yes, Jane Austen house. We did. Yeah, like so I would very much love, I would propose that we donate to the local Point Pleasant food shelter in our names and in the name of Mothman. I in think the, he'd like in honor of Mothman. And then what I'll do is I'll share it in the museum clubhouse for the traveling museum of the paranormal and the occult and watch what they do as well. Because Mm -hmm. last week, uh, Greg Newkirk made the mistake of saying, oh, this pheromone stuff that we're using on this Bigfoot hunt smells terrible. I I would totally spray it in my mouth if somebody paid $100 to one of my charities. $4,000 raised later, Mm -hmm. he now has to spray it in his mouth. Also, like, just why would you okay anyways uh i mean we don't want to talk about capitalism but we have to (laughs) can we just say we already talked about it so here here's the thing that's really hard though you're gonna hear people go oh yes but so let's go to communism the reason communism doesn't work is people and the innate greed of humanity Mm -hmm. (sighs) sorry not false i think here's the big thing um and i i know i said this before I tend to not get mad at individuals, but I get mad at systems. So like, I'm not mad at Jeff Bezos. I'm mad at a system that allowed someone like Jeff Bezos to exist because, and I guess this is the Slytherin part of me. I am always willing to acknowledge when someone is able to like find a loophole and run with it. Like there's always a little bit of like, okay, I get you like respect. Like you've found a niche you found a way to game to, in the words of Brad Parscale, Moneyball the ROI. I'm mad that I understood that. I used to work in real estate education for a motivational speaker. So I'm going to tell you right now the amount of phrases I learned. And the, the guy was legit. Like I mm-hmm. loved him. Mm-hmm. But some some of that staff, man, like their role models were the guys from Glengarry Glen Ross. Like I didn't just know that stuff off the top of my head, y'all. That. Well, so that was one of the things that um, when the whole Trump thing started, like that was like one of the first things that like his digital team said, which we now know was Brad Parscale. So like when this whole thing began and like people were commenting on like how effective his digital team was, it was like, yeah, we've gotten really good at being able to moneyball the ROI. And like someone who's worked in digital advertising is like, you have just said the biggest nothing burger. <laughs> You've just... <laughs> You have said the biggest nothing burger and people are still sucking your dick. And that's advertising. 
because he eventually just made up words. Is this the guy who was from San Antonio who had a, the complete breakdown after he got fired by the Trump campaign? Yes, and he was also essentially kicked out of San Antonio because um, his he has a really, really, well, he had, he's no longer a part of it, but he had a really, really big ad agency here, uh, Giles Parscale. And as soon as he started working on the Trump stuff, uh, it they split the company. So Brad Parscale kind of got bought out of his own company for working with Trump. And then when he was living in Florida and he's like, I want to come back to San Antonio and San Antonio is kind of like, nah, nah, you're, 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 you're great. Just where you are. You're not invited <laughs> to the Fiesta cookout. Yeah. But um, we've talked about capitalism, I think in every episode, cause we're upset, but basically um, <laughs> because we're upset. Yes. <laughs> but like, but mama needs her health insurance. So she's going to keep working. Right. We got to make those uh, big podcast dollars. <laughs> shaking that cool, shaking that cup for them podcast dollars. Um, I was in a meeting and I can't say more than this, but I made a reference to DashCon. Oh. It's like, so are we just out with the cup like DashCon? It's like, yes. Do I need to explain this? You might want to for people who don't know what DashCon is. <laughs> Okay, so the year is like 2000 and something. Uh, Super Hulak is a thing. (laughs) Some of us are in trench coats and nobody knows for which one of those. Many of us are in trench coats, but the different color tie is the one thing that will save you. That's your indicator, folks. Yeah, look at the tie. Many of us are in trench coats. Is there a deer stalker cap? Is someone pretending that they're an angel with no references? And is there a possibility that somebody's holding a thing that they keep calling a screwdriver that just looks like a light up stick? Okay, I don't want to go back in time any further, but I have to for Dashcon. Uh, Tumblr is the god of that realm. <laughs> Am I wrong? <laughs> When I laugh to the point where it's silent, you know there's a problem. (laughs) Am I wrong, though? Oh, that's the thing. You're not wrong. Tumblr is the holy sepulcher that contains all the sacred text of shipping and super hulak. Tumblr is something dummy. Yeah. And which doctor is thickest? Uh, We didn't have the word thick back then. So, like, which doctor you'd glomp the most? Ten. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so Tumblr is a big deal and Tumblr is like, hey, uh, we see these conventions like your San Diego Comic-Cons and your New York Comic-Cons and your Comic-Cons because those are all that really made money. And we're like, we want to get on this action. So a bunch of people, like the most inept people possible for this, come up with this thing called DashCon and they make a bunch of promises, uh, some without telling the people involved. They make a bunch of promises for, like, what would be the best convention lineup ever for that time period. Because it's a very specific time period in, like, the mid-early 2000s. Like, it's, like, mid-late 2000s. What would have been the most orgasmic lineup if it had worked? Uh, Let's just say it did not work. It's an infamous failure. And, like, day one of the convention, there's... A bunch of people in one of the panel rooms and a lot of the dashcon staff is like hey 
uh, we need to pay the hotel money and we don't have it. And they're like taking donations like in a fucking hat at the convention, which as a convention professional, uh, bad sign. <laughs> Come to find out actually Dashcon did have the money for that. So they were just frauding people out of their money. Uh, there's a really, really good um, internet historian video on it that's going into Dashcon um, because it's a lot and it's a, it's, it's a kind of a lost relic of the past now, but it's also a very, very infamous failure. Um, so if you ever uh, go to a convention and someone references um, a ball pit, that's what they mean is it was a dash con thing I yeah it's like, i didn't go to this just keep in mind we just were watching it melt down from the internet yeah basically like basically it was such a failure that anyone who went doesn't talk about it um and it actually made welcome to night veil not do live shows for like 10 years <laughs> they were burned so badly that they did not really do live shows or anything for a very long time uh yeah, Dashcon was bad. Uh, but capitalism, uh, we're both exhausted by it. And uh, again, it's really the pressures of capitalism, the pressure of having to continually make money in parasitic ways, uh, which we'll get to with the myth of hard work. Um, that really is the death of Willie and the death of this family in a lot of ways. Um, capitalism is the cause of the death of the salesman roll credits that was good like bam yeah and we're uh, out no i'm just kidding no, we still have two more themes uh, like, i didn't i didn't stop recording yeah uh so we need to talk about the myth of hard work um i'm an this. example i just talked yeah. about it i mean to be fair we're all kind of examples um i just stopped trying because i'm mentally ill and queer so were you an overachieving high school student who had to get every award possible, who thought this is the way that I will get attention and people will always love me only to be dropped head first into the United States where you got jobs, where you worked yourself nearly to death. And all of a sudden you were like, wait a minute, I'm 36. What am I doing with my life? No. <laughs> I wasn't, I wasn't. I wasn't. Wow, I got that some oddly specific, right, everybody? Yeah. <laughs> I got some awards for things that only make sense to me. Like I have uh, my medal for taking the AP Latin exam. It spins. I have my academic pentathlon medal. Yeah, I've got I have my honor roll medal. I've got yeah. my special thing that went over my shoulders for high school graduation. I have my cords from my co-ed fraternity in college. So no, I didn't know. Um, but the myth of hard work, um, you see this a lot in capitalism. But because I'm Black, I have to mention, you also see it a lot in minority communities as a lie that white people tell us to make us work harder. You too can be a manager of this company when Not four even, other managers like it, die. It's so, because it, honestly, like, it started just like during reconstruction for Black people, where it's like, hey, if you work hard enough, you can own this land. That's not true. You're never going to sell us this fucking land. <laughs> You're never going <laughs> to. Like, that's what happened with sharecropping and everything like that which is just another form of racism as being a wage worker is a form of racism. 
And no, I'm not trying to make this about white people, so please don't think it. It's why we had the Highland clearances in mm -hmm. Scotland where people were working the land and lived there. And that's how they made money for the landowners who eventually kicked them off to raise sheep because it was cheaper to raise sheep than to keep people on the land. I mean, in all fairness, yes. And that's I'm why sorry. you had a huge influx of Scottish people <laughs> to the United States at one point in time. I, I am still looking for a Scottish husband, but like, in all fairness, not a false statement. It is much cheaper to keep sheep. Like, <laughs> but uh, there's, but the thing is, and it's, it's a myth because again, it's not true. There are very few people who start as a receptionist and end up CEO. And that's a lie that a lot of us are told mm -hmm. and it gets perpetuated. Um, and it's just violently not true. It's uh, just... A lie that I believed for about 32 years. I don't think I ever believed it, but I think, again, like that's the inherent skepticism that most Black people have now, just like looking outside in. Um, which, again, like might be one of the reasons why, like, so much of this stuff, I don't want to say like, doesn't apply to me, but applies differently because a lot of a lot of minority circles have been looking at this with skeptical eyes for a minute. Because we we done knew it didn't apply to us, or it did in different ways. But like, yeah, we knew we were never gonna go from secretary to CEO. We knew that. Now we had other things that fell under that myth of hard work, most like with mental health and stuff, where you know because I I feel like I talk about this criminal minds episode all the time, but the one where this episode of Strange Fruit where this guy ends up being like a serial killer and he's black and he basically like is murdering the people, the white people who hurt him. And in one of his interviews, uh, you know, they they ask him about like his depression and his son's depression. And he's like, the slaves didn't have Prozac. And it's like, I, I love this episode because of the writing, but also like that is the problem with the black community. It's one of the many, but like, that's it. You've, you've pinpointed it is that there's this aura of your problems like me in 2021 don't matter because of what we've overcome. So like, that's our myth of hard work. It's like, well, the slaves didn't have Prozac. You're right, but I'm not in the fields right now. So can I talk about being sad at my parents? Like you're, you're asking me to compare things that aren't <laughs> the same. It's like, you are correct. I am not a slave. However, I did not know that invalidated my sadness. Uh, which I am reminded of our last conversation about puppets. <laughs> that we wish we recorded. You know, what's really amazing is how often you and I end up talking about puppets by accident. Yeah, we do end up talking about puppets a lot. I have some concerns about our mental health, but that's all the time. I'm so. going to blame Avenue Q and uh, keep on pushing. Uh, so we need to talk about Happy, don't we? Yeah. He's not very happy, is he? No. It's almost like that was a thematic decision. What I think is really interesting. Hi, River. Oh, look, it's the other one. Yes. Yes. Two cats. Cross them off your bingo cards. Oh, my God. River is beautiful. But there's a whole part where you know they're talking about their sexual conquests and happy's mm -hmm. like i really shouldn't be able to keep having sex with like 
all these girls that are engaged to other people in my company, but I can't seem to stop. And the mom ends up calling him out. Like Linda's mm-hmm. like, what is wrong with you? You're sleeping with all these people that you shouldn't be sleeping with. And it's like, oh, you thought you were covering up, didn't you? She's purring, but I can tell she's not happy. Mood. <laughs> Mood and relatable. Do you want to sit here or do you want to get back down? Okay, you can sit there. I told you that uh, I've listed River as the most beautiful cat I know. Oh, she appreciates being the most beautiful cat you know. Like, I was asked, out of all the cats you know, uh, which one is the most beautiful? Like, River, obviously. Also, my aunt's cat, Mr. Skimbleshanks, had to get his butt shaved because he can't clean himself back there anymore. That was my favorite picture that you've ever sent me, and I about died. Yep, and his name absolutely is Mr. Skimbleshanks. The best part was that you sent me that the same day my husband was having surgery and they had to shave his belly. And so I was trying not to do a comparison study in my head while waiting for him to come out of surgery. (laughs) Yep, but it was probably a bit of a, yep, that'll do it. He goes, I'm really sore and this hurts, but you know what sucks? I am so itchy. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. This is what women deal with. (sighs) Okay, so we talked about Arthur Miller in our last episode pretty in-depth. Um, we did. Uh, so, so just go go listen to that. We're tired. <laughs> I was going to say, it's kind of like the Shakespeare rules apply. Did we talk yeah. about you as an author more than once? Good job. You get one. Yeah. Um, go admire Christoph Waltz being uh, too charming to be a Nazi in Inglorious Bastards. I'm so excited about this. He's He's so charming and funny. And he shouldn't be. And I love him for that. I think I think that and his performance in Django Unchained are like my two favorites. I fell in love with him with in Django Unchained. Oh, he's even more hilarious in Inglorious Bastards. He's just And he doesn't have a beard, so he just looks like he looks shockingly fresh faced. Like he's just I mean, he's okay. a gorgeous man either way, but we're just gonna have a list of vaguely strange european men that i'm in love with moss mickelson all that like it's i found out that it's it's mostly just because i have unsolved trauma so i have a whole list of guys that a bunch of other people have in common and i was like wait a minute did we just become best friends right now (laughs) well yeah because like i'll send i'll send that to tori every once in a while where i'm like do i like this man slash character because they're attractive or because I have daddy issues. Like I had that severely with Tywin Lannister. And then a lot of times I just come back to that Rodel Dorado thing with both, 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 both is good. Yeah. <laughs> Cause like, I, oh my God, I had that severely with Tywin Lannister where it's like, are you actually attractive or do I just have a complex somewhere? First of all, that man is gorgeous. He is. Charles Dance and also he was an excellent deer punching phantom. <laughs> He's the best deer punching phantom I've ever seen. I went back and rewatched that scene <laughs> over and over and over because of you. <laughs> There's uh in the Lindsay Ellis video where she talks about all the phantoms, uh, she sets it to music. <laughs> My God. <laughs> she sets it to music. Uh I think it's in the actually I think it's in the more recent one where she talks about Daroga the care the, the persian where she like sets it to music a little bit and it's amazing but um okay so yeah we talked about arthur miller uh he was married to marilyn monroe and he was very very sad uh when she died 
because he outlived her for some reason uh there is a conspiracy that he may have murdered her we don't know there's also the really sad thing that joe dimaggio if i remember correctly kept sending flowers to maryland oh, over and fell over apart. <sighs> we have actually seen maryland's original stone at the um national museum of natural what is it national or natural hu funeral history in oh, the houston yeah the Na national museum of national funeral museum history. Of funeral history there yes. we go good job um uh, it's amazing yeah, but they have mm -hmm. to take that stone off from time to time because people like to leave kiss marks on it mm -hmm. and over time it wears it down and breaks it apart so they have to switch them out i could not live there because i already got into a fight with someone very similarly uh with selena over something like that um for those of you who do not know this story when i was in corpus i got to see the statue of selena who is very much the idol in especially south texas i mean all mm -hmm. over but like especially south texas um there's and was horrifically murdered just just horrifically by her uh, fan club president <laughs> yeah just uh. i mean there's like no chill way to be murdered but like especially badly murdered uh and there's a statue of her in corpus that is beautiful and people like to take pictures with it and touch it and kiss it and there was a guy who put his armor on the statue of selena and um so out of all the jobs that i could have had one of them was like a museum archivist and stuff because i care about that shit um and i said if you actually love her you'll get your filthy hands off of her because you're like deck like the oils in your fingers are degrading her statue and almost got into a fight in corpus because people don't want to hear that no get your filthy fucking fingers off of don't touch art or historical sites don't just don't if you touch the alamo i'm kicking your kid i'm just saying it's kind of like whenever you go to see certain statues where people have touched them and they're mm -hmm. super shiny and a completely different color yeah. there's actually a statue of a dog in one of the moscow metro stations mm -hmm. that its nose is completely different color from the rest of the statue because people keep petting it because they they pet it it's, it's a good luck thing as they go through yeah. but yeah um if i if i see you fuck with a historical site or art i will kick you i'm just letting you know there was um when body worlds came to dallas and i was very very young somebody touched body world stuff someone touched a plastinated heart what that had all the nerves individually taken out and it was like just the nerves and then like clear heart tissue is that why they started putting them all in glass this one is glass but it wasn't mounted so it was like it was a kid like a top and he was like pushing the little display back and forth and you can see it wobbling and like the glass isn't that thick like it's not museum glass and it, I, I was just on bated breath like i i don't think my heart was beating i'm like this kid's gonna fuck up this heart um also we do acknowledge that body worlds is problematic oh incredibly do you have a Chinese prisoner that you need to get was, rid of? I was about to say, it's, it's a lot of Chinese prisoners. We're not here to talk about that. Uh, so we don't really have any questions from listeners, which is fine because I there's nothing else to be said. Uh, there are some adaptations. You want to talk about adaptations? Yes. So the LA theatrical version, there's an audiobook version of it that has the mom from Malcolm in the Middle as Linda, which is actually incredibly charming of all things. Um, I, yeah, I can see that. 
if you want to watch it for free, there is a Dustin Hoffman version on um, Amazon Prime Video, mm-hmm. and it also features John Malkovich as Biff, which I had a really hard time taking seriously, uh, mostly because Dustin Hoffman has really bad old people makeup on, and so his eyebrows just look really fake. No. And my favorite adaptation, which honest to God has nothing to do with Death of a Salesman, is in Buffy the Vampire Slayer. It is a dream sequence that Willow is having. Mm-hmm. And just you have Riley show up and he's like, I showed up early, so I get to be the cowboy in Death of a Salesman. Wh- what? <laughs> also, like literally just every episode of The Simpsons, like for the first couple seasons, where work is killing you and capitalism is bad and then the symptoms jumped the shark i think season eight did you see the episode where they had the musical for itchy and scratchy and they did a version of i don't know how to love him from uh jesus christ superstar probably i laughed so hard that my kid thought something was wrong with me so i think is wrong with me let's I mean, be that's honest it. i used to be a huge simpsons fan uh, and then it just stopped being funny. For me, it's touch and go. There are some episodes that I'm like, that's hysterical. And some that I'm like, yeah, uh, I'm so tired. Bob's Burgers is kind of my new favorite. I don't like that show. I th- I have a hard time because I feel like, and, and this kind of ties into the capitalism. I'm just mm-hmm. fucking around at this point. Um, I love Linda in that show so yeah. much. And now part of me is like, is she Linda because of Death of a Salesman? But I don't think so. I, anyway, I'm not going to give yeah. that show that much credit. <laughs> I don't know. But it's Amanda's just, rude. It's so freaking funny to me just because yeah. like, mommy doesn't get drunk. Mommy has fun. Like stupid shit that comes out of her mouth and it's voiced by a dude and it makes me just yeah, like so it, happy. It's one of those shows. It's not like Big Bang Theory where I don't feel bad for not liking it. But, like, Bob's Burgers makes me feel like something is wrong with me for, like, not finding it as charming as everyone else does. Like, I think it's fine. Well, I just found out that Eugene Merriman was actually a Russian immigrant as a small child, like, three or four. He came Mm -hmm. to the United States with his family because his family is Jewish. Mm -hmm. And so he was part of the uh, mass exodus of Jewish peoples in the 80s and 90s. Mm -hmm. And... I freaked out because evidently in one of his comedy sketches, he's like, everybody always asks me if I know how to swear in Russian. Well, no, because I left when I was like four and no one was teaching a four-year-old swear words. I'm like, fair. I've heard him on Star Talk when I used to listen to Neil deGrasse Tyson before I realized that he was a sexual predator and overall just a prick. Yeah, unfortunately. Just, just a prick, honestly. Just because you're smart doesn't mean you're a good person, which is unfortunate, but... I don't think anyone's ever... I mean, media for years has been telling us that intelligence is bad. Look at Ozymandias. (laughs) I love that that's my example. I was like, did you just go full Watchmen on this, or did you do something else? I did. I I went full... And I'm not even thinking, like, the comic. I'm thinking, like, the movie version, where he was clearly a villain where there was no ambiguity whatsoever because movies have to wrap this shit up we don't have time nemo's back yay yeah <laughs> scream tiny scream you, yes i don't know if our listeners can hear the tiny screams but i kind of hope they can because it's just like tiny scream it's the smallest uh, it's not like river who like will let you know her presence is here 
River yells so much, but I love her for it. Uh, she also, uh, for listeners at home, when I cat sit, River will sit on my keys and won't let me leave until I've pet her a sufficient amount. Mm-hmm. That's why we have to put our keys in those little like containers on the yeah. on like the entryway table because yeah. otherwise, well, it's not really in the entryway because I don't want somebody to be able to kick down the door and take my keys, so it's a yeah. lot farther in now. Yeah. But um, <laughs> otherwise, she'll just sit on them. They're yeah. like, no, you can't have these. You're not allowed to leave. They're gonna lose their mind next week. I'm just telling you that. Oh yeah, they're gonna fucking flip. I I told you you can drop them off here, and I will pet them all day long. Do you want to go, them, go stay with Amanda? I will give them all the love and attention that they need. Uh, we do have some resources, namely Wikipedia and Thug Notes. Uh, thank you, Thug Notes, for getting us through. <laughs> thank you for getting us through, as always. Um, thank you for making me laugh because I kept crying reading this. <laughs> so I think we answered this question earlier, mm. but uh, did we have to read this in school? For me, yes, in high school, which, uh, why? Yeah, this this seems like a lot for high school. Um, I mean, we also read the Glass Menagerie. Yeah, that's true. Like, uh, and maybe this is a conversation that we maybe like be a fun extra episode is uh because we've acknowledged that all books are propaganda. Is like what lesson were we supposed to learn as high schoolers from these books? Because yeah, like a lot of it does seem to be conflicting information. Like why? Why do you make freshmen read Watership Down? No. Who's that Why? for? Well, it's like we we got one Arthur Miller and ours was The Crucible, mm. which a lot of kids took to mean the beautiful line from Paul Bettany. <laughs> Snitches end up in ditches with stitches. Yeah, that's pretty much what that's pretty much what I got from it. Is that Adam, not people are gonna lie about you and take your land? <laughs> yeah. Is that not? Is that not what the moral of the story was? I think we were supposed to think about the House of Un-American Activities Committee, which, which I mean, I talked enough about that. Yeah, but I've mostly just got a uh, knuck up if you buck up. <laughs> we have problems, dude. I want to be like that dresser in Beauty and the Beast that has a fucking bat. That's like, I'm trying to think. If you had an internal, like, <laughs> a, like a spirit that embodied you, like that just came into your body and took control, it would be that dresser with the baseball bat. That's okay. Context uh, in the original animated Beauty and the Beast, uh, during the scene where Gaston leads his mob through the Beast's house for completely correct reasons, because there is a literal monster in a literal castle, literally fucking shit up. I'm just saying Gaston was not as wrong as everyone thinks he is, but he was an asshole okay if we're jailing people over being an asshole then there's a lot of people who need to be in jail me included i digress um so there is a scene where all the furniture is trying to defend the house because the house is enchanted and like in the background there's a dresser with a baseball bat and it's in the background it's like most people don't see it but someone zoomed in it's like this my favorite character is this dresser who was ready to fuck up someone. So now it's, I feel like I have to put that on our Instagram, like because it's perfect. It, it's I also think it's like the perfect encapsulation of like that era of Disney, where like there's all these little like winks and nods that you're too young to get, 
Oh my gosh. Toy Story uh, is a nightmare for that. I mean, Hunchback, which we were just talking about earlier. Tony. Just, not Tony Hill, sorry. Tony J. Yeah. Like, taking it down. Which also, um, so I need to... I need to clarify this because I'm pretty sure I'm right, but I don't want to mess this up. So Tony J, uh, who voiced the scariest, huh? Pulled up the stupid picture of the baseball bat. Now, yes. <laughs> Sorry, go ahead. Sorry. So Tony J, who vo- who voices a uh, Judge Claude, uh, Judge Frollo. Claude Frollo. He also voices the villain in Miss Spider Sunny Patch Kids, which was a kid show that was on uh, Nickelodeon for the longest time. And uh, he voices the character Spideris, who's this a very strange looking spider. If you never read Miss Spider, like all the animation and proportions are really, really weird. Like Spideris is a spider who has like six bug legs and then like two human hands. What? And he's black and, and he's black and white, but mostly white. Um, but he's voiced by Tony J, so he's fucking horrifying. And now I remember I'm looking like, this up. And I remember because it was just like on TV, like it was it was like the early two thousands. I was in high school. It was on TV, and it's like that voice is way scarier than it needs to be because it's Tony J. What? Yeah, that's by Darius. What the? F- Did I not? tell you what it was i am uncomfortable i told you exactly what it was there's a cult yeah i have concerns i said that very casually i said that like very casually Uh, i'm pretty sure he has a wife too i think he has a wife i don't remember what her name is (laughs) okay Uh, just so y'all know, I just put those both on the Instagram. So if you want to be scarred for life. But imagine the voice being fucking <laughs> Minister Frollo. That's not necessary for a kid show. You don't need that. This is Canadian television. That's why it's fucked up. Also, uh, Rick Moranis oh. is in the show. He voices in the show. As does Brooke Shields. My brain like, wait, wait. Brooke Shields. Yeah, Brooke Shields, Rick Moranis, and Tony J are all in the show, Miss Spider Sunny Patch Kids. You want to know something that's that's a little bit heartbreaking? Sure. I found a copy of Death of a Salesman in my grandma's house when we were cleaning it out. <laughs> oh no. Oh no. Oh no. Uh so the book that we're reading next. Oh, uh you read this in college? Question mark? Or just uh, not read this the one? book that we're reading next? No, Death of a Salesman. Uh, we did not read it. Okay, that's we, we read we read The Crucible. So, yeah. Uh, yeah. okay. So uh, next we're reading uh, Don Quixote because uh, I made Tori suffer enough with Arthur Miller. Also, we're reading it because there's a wishbone video of it. There is a wishbone, and it's very cute. Oh, I want to attack some windmills. Um, I think the, he does. The the only downside to this is you get to hear me like all next week singing it is I Don Quixote, the Lord of La Mancha, the destiny calls and I go. Except I can't sing it. Okay. So I'm just trying to be an asshole right there. That's fair. I was gonna let you uh 
Oh, um, I just make it as weird as possible at the end because I assume nobody's listening anymore. Okay, so here's a question to posit. Uh, I was watching a video essay and they were, it was Game of Thrones related. And the question was, is, is Euron Greyjoy the worst guy after Joffrey and Ramsey Bolton are dead? And it's like, maybe. The Hot Topic Pirate? Yes. I don't know. There were some pretty bad people on that show. Yeah, I feel like anyone trying to measure who is worst boy in Game of Thrones is very weird. But yes, yeah, Hot Topic I, I kind of feel like if you, you had any semblance of decency, you were dead unless you were friends with Jon Snow. Or Littlefinger. Aww. Who shouldn't be attractive? No, he shouldn't be. That whole time I was like, hey, nope, nope, that's my issues. So here's the thing. For the most part, if I'm watching something and I'm like, mm -hmm. that guy is very attractive. I know that something is wrong with that person. Yeah. Because of the movie Heathers. Yep. That'll I remember do it. watching it and being like, oh, Christian Slater's really, oh, no, I know this is a trap. This is a trap. <laughs> but, um, it's like, I guess Hot Topic Pirate is worst boy after Joffrey and Ramsay, but also, like, look at the shoes that are filled. See, the like, thing is, like, I feel like Ramsay was worse because there was also animal abuse and human abuse. Well, hence the after, because, like, so yes. Ramsay's dead. It's like, hey, I'm gonna, I'm gonna cut off this guy's dick and make him my slave, and also I'm going to, like, flay people alive and feed them to dogs, which basically yeah. just feels like somebody from North Korea. They don't flail a lot. No, they just feed them to the dogs. Yeah, I said that too quickly. It's like they don't flay often. Um, Did yeah. you know that Joseph Stalin won Times Man of the Year twice? I'm not shocked, honestly. And people still like Tesla, even though he was like an out-and-out -out eugenicist. But Laser Pigeon. <laughs> oh no but the laser pigeon that one time speaking of delusions well it might have been real we don't know not the laser part but the pigeon part i just had this image of like edison programming a laser pigeon to fuck with him edison did not have the skill or talent to do so someone call westinghouse oh westinghouse absolutely that is a hundred percent something Westinghouse would do. Edison did not have the skill, talent, ability, or resources to do so, but he could electrocute a bunch of elephants. Can you imagine that being your marketing ploy? I've decided we're going to electrify an elephant until it, it gets crispy and gross. <sighs> it, was, it was very effective and then became a great tool air quotes uh, for murdering people in prisons anyways uh, we're going to wrap this episode up uh, you can find us all over social media by this stage you know the links go to our website yes um, give us money also at anchor talk <laughs> you don't even like try to like brush it over your life no we're here to wrap this shit up <laughs> you have stuff to do you have books to organize it's two hours. This ring light is hot. Okay. I'm teasing. Uh, give us money at 
anchor.fm slash unfortunately required reading thank you to our patrons as always uh, you help keep the metaphorical and physical lights on and soon we will be eating cheese together in public again well not public i was say like not in public in, in in each other's presence yeah probably at my place um we do have a red bubble which i will work on updating because i do have some designs that need to go into the shop um if there's any designs that you would particularly like please let us know uh, on social media either twitter or facebook those are the ones that get checked the most often yes not that you can't reach out to us in other places but a priority is given to those two um tori do you want to do your usual part about if you have a funny story if you have a funny story, if you want to complain about your English class in high school, if you want to just email us, you can do that at unfortunatelyacquiredreading at gmail.com. What kind of Belgian-ess? If you just want to say hi, you could just... Please don't give us constructive criticism. I will fall apart. <laughs> <laughs> I am not willing to take criticism of any kind at this moment. Thank you. Um, what is it if that is a veiled criticism of me i or i will not acknowledge it not false at all we will we will keep rolling Um, because anything cruel you could ever say we have already said to ourselves in multiple languages Uh uh-huh that's accurate i know we both have anxiety isn't it great (laughs) we both have anxiety and language skills (laughs) yeah so any mean thing you can say about us we've already said to ourselves and to each other in less in more passive-aggressive ways uh we do have a red bubble as mentioned uh designs blah blah blah. uh there's still a pandemic outside i don't care if you're vaccinated uh but please vaccinate yourself um but there is still a pandemic outside despite what our capitalistic governor says um take care of yourselves and others because it is the only way that we will get through this um and on that note please go read a book